Hey, good evening. Welcome to the manual. We hope that your day was filled with a ray of sunshine and that you were able to connect with family, loved ones, colleagues. Um, I want to thank you for your, your listening and thank you for all your questions. And I appreciate uh, what everyone's doing out there to keep themselves busy. Uh, the manual was designed to basically address uh, just kind of thoughts that uh, we all have um, deep inside. Um, they range from anything uh, socioeconomical to sports uh, to everyday living to money, uh, religion. Your actually, I, I would say not even religion. I would say more so your spiritual beliefs. One of the things that um, uh, speaking of my speaking of myself here. Uh, is that uh, people always ask me, well, what do I believe in? Um, am I Christian? Am I Catholic? Am I Muslim? Uh, I grew up in the Christian faith. Uh, I do believe Jesus Christ died for my sins as he died for yours. Um, one of the greatest examples of love ever, um, the love that Jesus had for us. But when I was roughly about 23, 24 or so, uh, came into a sense of, of being got introduced to Taoism. And one of the things about Taoism, as I tell people, it is not a religion per se. It predates Christianity by 2,000 years, so two millennia. Uh, but it's more of a way of being. Um, when you read uh, on the surface what it's about, it, it, it kind of talks of gods uh, more so in a um, multi-sense, but it's not really about gods um, in that regard. It's literally about being a good human, you know, doing things uh, for others, being selfless, um, you know, separating uh, your emotions to to do good. You know, one of the one of the tenets of it is that every day I have to learn something and teach something. Um, another tenet is that when I go to sleep, whenever my day ends, I have to think of my day in totality. As um, did I affect someone? whether my actions or my words in a way to alter who they are. Everyone has a breaking point and we know um, that, you know, stuff piles on and someone you come into contact with at any given time could be at that moment and whatever you say to them or whatever that interaction is uh, could actually send them uh, over the edge or it could have a positive effect that your kind words, your attention uh, to them, um, your focus on them can probably alter or change their mindset uh, or their feeling. So, you know, you are responsible for what you say and what you think. So feel free to always put that uh, positive energy out into the universe. Um, so, yeah, again, Taoism is, is more like being a Buddhist. Uh, if I had to put a religion up against it, but for the most part, it is not traditional religion per se. I do have prayer beads and I do have prayer. Um, try to spend my time in, in, in as much calm as I can and I try to keep the space around me and the people around me uh, in a positive um, positive regard. Uh, energy begets energy so you definitely want to get um, interactions that are um, beneficial to you. Uh, but, but you know again anything that's toxic you, you definitely want to stay away from. Alright so switching gears from that um, enough about the religion. Um, I, I will talk a little bit about who I am as a person. My name is Cleveland Wayson Jr. So I'm a June bug. Um, 
I grew up with both my parents. Uh, I lost my dad about 15 years ago, per se. Um, he was a great man. Um, I always tell people in a nutshell, I was raised by a man. Um, I had my mom there too, but my dad, very strict, patriarch. But I was raised by a man. I was taught how to do things. I was corrected on my actions, uh, whether I felt that it was um, fair or not or just or not. You know, that's, that's you know, my perspective. When I look back on things, um, I had somebody who really cared about who I was, uh, cared about where I was going, and cared about where I, you know, what was going to happen to me. Um, when I got to be a man myself, uh, I often think back at the lessons that I've learned um, from my father. Uh, my father had a way of uh, being like a Zen-like person by teaching by example. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, sophomore year of college. I'm taking a surveying class. I wanted to be an engineer and follow daddy's footsteps. Daddy was an architect. And um, I realized after analytical geometry in the surveying class that I had that I was going to go the business route. Maybe stay in, 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 in building or construction, but more on the business side because the architect, I, I honestly, sorry, uh, I felt that maybe it would have been uh, a little bit too much. So I didn't give myself the chance that I should have, but I kind of went to college for for my parents versus going for me. If I had to go back to that conversation, uh, maybe I wouldn't have went to college, but that's another time. Anyway, um, my mom and I are best friends. Uh, I'm not a mama's boy, but my mom and I are best friends, and uh, she is someone that I can go to um, to talk to. Uh, she's always have, she always has a good word. Uh, she's never judgmental or impartial. She shares what she can um, when she can with us. Um, there are four of us. I'm the oldest of four children. I have a brother, um, and I have two sisters. Uh, we're close as close as can be. I'm closer um, to each one of them in, in our own special way, you know, um, as siblings are. We are four different children with the same parents so it's kind of a, a funny thing there anyway um so I grew up like most kids uh grew up in the in the inner city uh, East Orange New Jersey um for most of my life um that was home and the thing about East Orange is as people are from there it's a very small town in New Jersey um but it's surrounded by a lot of big towns and by being in proximity to other urban centers, you tend to get into um, things that you know you shouldn't as a kid. So I was very fortunate um, or blessed, however you want to use those words. But I honestly got to say that my 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 parents um, was the deciding factor on how I turned out. Um, when I left the house, I wasn't representing Cleve. I was representing the last name that I was given. And uh, anyone that has Caribbean parents, you know that. When they see their friends, they are putting the kids up against each other. You know, Johnny did this, Sarah did that, Billy did this. Um, you can walk on water, uh, you can broker a piece, uh, but it ain't good enough because you're always going to hear about whoever's daughter or son is doing a lot better. It's just the way, it's just the, kind of the way it is. Anyway, um, so I went to All Boys Catholic High School, played sports, played football on a ran track. Um, I am a big sports lover, um, not in the sense of the, the traditional um, uh, sports fanatic, but I, I do have uh, sports that I watch. I'm a football fan. I'm a New York Jets fan. 
um, and boxing is uh, my number one love, actually. Uh, it is a sport that I've gravitated to since I was a child. My parents introduced me to it, so yes, my parents, both mother and father. My mom is actually uh, makes history in, in, our, in our country. I'm from Georgetown, Guyana, South America. She was the first uh, woman promoter to uh, put on a fight. It's something, some trivia that I learned later in life, but it's actually pretty, pretty dope that my mom was a boxing promoter in, in her life. It's kind of dope. Anyway, uh, switching gears back. Um, so when I, um, when I was very young, I would say 17, 18 years old, uh, I had a, I had a, uh, a kind of a, a premonition that, um, you know, maybe... I would get out of these thorns, maybe I wouldn't. But the thing about thing about it was that it really wasn't up to me. Um, the, the the focus that my parents had on education and and, and us uh, thriving uh, was second to none. And I really love them and appreciate them for that because at the end of the day, you know, you are uh, some of all your parts. You know, when you look at things uh, from your perspective, you may not see the horizon for what it is. You may not see the sun go down or the sun come up if you're looking that, in that direction, but if your, pers- your pers- perspective has changed, excuse me, I can't speak today, uh, you have a different outlook on things. Okay? Um, pretty normal person. I worked as a, um, I actually had a few careers, uh, believe it or not, so I'm a young 46, but kind of been out there. I worked late in life get my first real job so I was about 21, 22 years old. Kind of crazy. Uh, parents had a lot to do with why that is. But once I started working, those values, those um, things were instilled in me to, to excel. Um, I worked uh, for the United States Postal Service at one point. Um, I worked in healthcare uh, or damaged care, however you want to call it. Worked for HMO. I uh, was a provider relations specialist. I'll explain what that is in a second. And also worked in a uh, benefits uh, payment center, which is called the BPO. Uh, I was the person in the call center taking 120 inbound calls and making 40 outbound calls a day. So my days pretty much ended with me not wanting to see a telephone at that point. Um, but having um, some some things happen in my career got me to to a few different destinations that I didn't really know I was going to get to. Uh, again, everyone kind of has a plan how to, or what they want to do, but the plan is how you're going to get there. So one of the things that I, um, I really focus, focused on is what, what do I want to do? Again, my, my, my father was an architect by trade, but he also had his own consulting firm and construction company, which was, you know, really impressive. He was doing that since we were back home. And I wanted to actually make my footprint and, and, and make my mark. So I knew being at the Postal Service wasn't a long-term solution, um, but it, it, at the time it was it was very short-term. So worked for healthcare, worked for the United States Postal Service, and then um, I went into real estate. And one of the things about real estate is that um, moving real property, learning about how that um, affects everything in your life. Is actually pretty crucial to who we are as people. Um, people are transient. Um, you move from place to place depending on the, um, the economics, um, depending on the safety, and also depending on um, 
as, a, as far as a comfort level. Do you want to live in the suburbs? Do you want to live in an urban center? Do you want to live in the country? Uh, those things all matter based on who you are. Um, so I decided to go into real estate and become the next, you know, multi-thing. Um, didn't quite happen that way, but I was actually very successful, um, at least in my mind. I was able to, to do something. I had a friend tell me one time that if you invest in something, um, whether it's your time, your efforts, um, a certification, a degree, whatever it is, until you've practiced it, you haven't really done it. Um, so theor- theories and theoretical thought, doesn't it doesn't pan out unless you actually got in the field and got in the dirt and made something happen. So doing a couple of deals, different types of deals, vacant land, commercial, I mean, you name it, I kind of try to get my hands in it and to see the moving parts of what it was. So I've always loved that that part of the business. Um, and then my dad being a builder um, uh, by trade, I have a love of architecture. I have a love of structures um, that I see like art. Uh, I look at it as art. Um, I do like art art, but um, architecture is a very unique type of art because Certain things can be built centuries ago and still stand today. And certain things can be built now and fall tomorrow. It, it's a weird thing. Um, but it is, you know, it is based on, on what you and how you make something last. Okay. So I uh, definitely uh, found my love in real estate. And when the crash happened um, in real estate, late 2000s, I'm sorry, uh, late um, 90s, early 2000s, I realized that, you know, it's a field that I want to stay in, but it, it, it wasn't um, stable. So I became, a, uh, uh, I went into property management uh, on the other side. I had a friend tell me, hey, uh, you can come into property management as a leasing agent or, or a leasing associate. And from there, you kind of go on to being, um, you know, whatever you want in the field. Uh, I am a very ambitious person so I always look at being in a position a year or two as uh, sufficient if I work hard enough I should be rewarded and promoted if I don't get that um, I will look to promote somewhere else uh, it's kind of my fatal flaw but it is who I am as a person so and with that being said I got with a company that I spent about nine years with and within those nine years eight or nine years Every year and a half to two years on average, I was promoted or put into a situation where I was uh, uh, going up the ladder. Um, uh, the end all be all is that I started in leasing and then ended up being a general manager, which is uh, kind of a pretty big leap, but there was still a couple of um, positions ahead of me that, uh, that I wanted to, um, wanted to obtain, but unfortunately um, it didn't happen. Um, kind of got burnt out. Uh, multi-million dollar properties are like children that you're managing and very unruly children at that because at the end of the day you are put in the position that you're responsible for a um, an asset to generate money uh, and cut cost and keep people happy um, it's a unique balancing act but it's also it's something that um, if done properly it, it is a it, it is running a business it is running a, spirit of an entrepreneur um, for someone else. Um, I heard a quote one time, it might have been on LinkedIn, but I'm not sure. I think it, I'm thinking about it now, it was on LinkedIn, and 
And with that being said, it said that every day that you spend not focusing on your dream, you're building someone else's. Now, let's think about that for a second. Every day that you don't focus on your own dreams, you are helping someone else build theirs. Kind of poignant. And it's kind of crazy. But in those little words, there's so much gravity. There's so much gravity there. You know, we all have dreams, aspirations. We all have um, fantasies about who we are. Um, If I met 10 people who know you, I guarantee you I'm going to get about seven or eight different who you are. Because we actually open up to certain people uh, in ways that we don't open up to other people. Uh, There's there's parts of your psyche that you are uh, able to let people in and there's parts that that stay locked away. And that's just the human condition. That's how we are genetically um, made up. That you don't share everything unless you are bearing your soul to someone. Um, So uh, with that being said, you have to kind of look out for self. Uh, it's social Darwinism, survival of the fittest. If you are not going to do anything to propel yourself through this life, decisions will be made for you. And when I say that, I am talking about things that things that affect you uh, on the micro and macro level, uh, the kind of money you make, where you live, things that I mentioned before. Um, you are putting yourself into a position that you are going to be limited. You're going to be told what to do versus having a say in what to do. Okay? There's a difference there. You know, to a hammer, all problems look like nails. Another very poignant thing to say because that's how a hammer sees things. A hammer is only useful as the nails that it's going to drive into something. So you have to find your nail. You have to be the hammer that's going to drive whatever your passions are, whatever your goals are, your desires. You have to put that there. I have a daughter. She's 25 years old. She'll be 26 in a couple of months. And um, it's probably one of my greatest achievements as a person was to help create another human being uh, in my image and likeness. Um, And she has the best of... Um, the best of me and her mother, but she also has certain parts of her psyche um, that are like mine's and that are like her mom's. Um, so with a genetic copy, you also give the good and bad of who you are into something else. And one of the things that I used to discuss with, with my daughter when she was a little kid um, and when she was able to to kind of articulate back to me what she wanted out of life and what she felt um, her direction would be is that I have a saying, all your dreams should be goals with deadlines. And what that basically boils down to, when I fragment that out, is that anything that you dream of doing, you have to put a reality stamp on it. You have to put something on it that says that this can happen um, and this should happen versus that it won't happen. Because if it's not something that you could put into reality, it's a fantasy. And that's the difference between a fantasy and a dream. A fantasy is something that is so far-fetched, so out there, so over the top, so grandiose, that you may not even have a plan on how to achieve it um, to do that. Um, My 
dad had a saying um, when he's from the Crown Kings. And what I interpreted that from him is that where he's from, everyone is a K-maker. You make yourself a king. You make yourself uh, top of the food chain. You know, There's a reason that there's certain birds that fly in the sky that do not look above them because they are the biggest and the baddest in the bunch. And that is the pecking order of things, no pun intended. But that is how things are. Um, in the English language, um, we have nuances of how words uh, appear on paper and how they're used in context. Uh, I had a friend that learned how to speak English several years ago. And in doing so, she explained to me how hard the English language was to translate to kind of get through it and I find it kind of astonishing and shocking that you know a language that I've, I've pretty much spoken since I was born uh, and understood since I was cognizant of, 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 of words is that how can the English language how can English be so hard to learn but then I, I, I you know this is our boring slang and all that kind of good stuff but I kind of realize I'm like hey you know what I, I wonder what English sounds to to someone who doesn't speak English and she gave me a great example word lead and the word lead L-E-A-D if you saw the word L-E- the words L-E-A-D on a piece of paper without any other sentence structure to support what um, the words you know the context of that word you would most likely say lead as in like lead pipe uh, we wouldn't say lead most people won't say lead outright and having those having those kind of words and, and, and I guess I'm going into a context talk here when something is in context it's it's again perspective it's what you mean it's, it's what you say so when you say something you kind of have to mean what you say to somebody you, know, you can't just you know if you're in sales and something costs $10 can't say, well, I'll say you this. I'll say you this nice book, but it is. It's, it's about ten dollars. It's about ten dollars, or is it ten dollars? Because when it's about something, and that means that it's negotiable. That it's that is something that I can actually talk around with you and get the price that I want for it. Versus you telling me hardlining and telling me, hey, this is ten dollars if you want it. And again, in life, you have to look at things in that in that regard. What are the things that you're going to hardline? What are the things that you will um, barter? You will, you know, that you're that you're flexible on. You know, we all have our our points uh, in any negotiation or any compromise. You sit down at the table. If you have five things that you want to convey to the other party, and you are able to, to obtain three of them, that's a winnable. If you've gotten two out of five, then you didn't negotiate hard enough for the things that you really wanted. Because in those two things, those two things better be the two top things that you wanted. If not, you lost that negotiation. You lost that 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 hard line, so to speak, because you've given your power away. You know, um, wealth, um, being rich, and I learned this lesson as a kid. Actually, um, I, I, I like most kids growing up. Not a super huge basketball fan, but I'm a I'm a person who um, 
who likes uh, I like Michael Jordan sneakers um, now as an adult I don't really care for Michael Jordan sneakers anymore for a lot of reasons and I'll get into that in a second but in the onset I wanted a pair of Michael Jordan sneakers and my dad went to my dad this was back in 19 I want to say 1987 maybe 88 so I was about 7th or 8th grade and I wanted a pair of Jordans and the movie Do the Right Thing was out and the first scene in the movie was the dude bugging out uh, played by um, Giancarlo uh, got his sneakers scuffed his Jordans got scuffed and I wanted those pair of Jordans and when I went to the store those Jordans cost $120 plus tax that wasn't a, a line in the movie that was real actual facts he was talking about and I went to my dad and I said listen um, dad I, I want these sneakers he says why I said because I think they dope you know I think I look, I look pretty dope in them he's like well here's what you're going to do um, if you want those sneakers you're going to get a summer job um, I get my dad a construction company um, that he used to do different projects and various projects in the city Orange and you know the greater uh, Essex County where I grew up. So, uh, being the boss's son, air quotes, uh, I went to work. And in my mind, I was only going to work two weeks to get the money for the sneakers, and then I'm done. But in actually working, um, it kind of was cool. So I go back to saying that I didn't get my first real job till I was about 21, 22, because that job wasn't a job. It was a summer thing, and it was something that. I think my dad just wanted to keep me from my friends and, and kind of have something for me to do during the day. And it was working construction. I learned a little something about um, construction. Um, I got a chance to be around um, some really some really charismatic people because <laughs> uh, you have not lived till you've been on a construction site being a, um, a teenager. It is kind of ridiculous. So anyway, getting back to the sneakers. So uh, I said, I'm going to get my money up, get the sneakers, and, and that's that. And... Um, Got the money up, first paycheck. Um, got way more money than I thought I was going to make. So I had some extra to buy, you know, some other gear along with the Jordans. So I bought my pair of Jordans. And the moment I put them on, looked in the mirror, felt like a million bucks. Then I go outside. I see my friends uh, who didn't have a pair of Jordans. You know, they were, I guess, you know, I was the first to get mine. And everyone was going to follow suit. But... One of my friends kind of made me feel like it was a um, a mistake. And back then, I thought it was like, oh, this dude hating on me, and he's you know he's trying to trying to put me down. But what I realized was that he kind of taught me a, a valuable lesson about um, how wealth is and what is wealth, right? So Michael Jordan, superstar, um, and at that time, these guys were to make a contract with like the guys in the NBA. So Michael Jordan was making a pretty good living off the endorsement money and, and, and playing basketball, but um, his 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 mega millions came off of his endorsements, which were the sneakers. Nike paid him king's ransom to, um, to wear these sneakers. He actually got his own brand from it. Anyway, my friend said to me that who do you think is more wealthy, Michael Jordan or the person that owns the team? I'm, I was kind of stuck. I was like, hmm, Michael Jordan makes this kind of money, but the guy that owns the team makes this kind of money. And I was contrib- contributing to Jordan's wealth. 
And even in doing so, he's the person on the team still was making more than Michael Jordan. And I was pretty much out of almost $130 for a pair of rubber soles with some string attached and some shoelaces that put it all together. And it was probably one of the only times in my life that I could remember where um, I where I remember where I was when I was told something um, that hit me. And I said, okay, wow, probably never buy a pair of Jordans again because, you know, this is kind of messed up. But the reason why I don't like Jordans now is that um, in all the years that um, Nike has been making Air Jordans, even now that Michael stopped playing about 20 years ago, um, is the amount of people that were killed or robbed, beaten over these sneakers. Nike has never made a statement or um, Michael Jordan has never come out to say, hey guys, this is only sneakers. Why are you guys reacting this way over sneakers? People stand, people stand online overnight for a Jordan release. It's, it, it's, it blows my mind. But they wouldn't stand online to get a job application or a college application or, or anything like that. Um, my dad used to uh, take us to soup kitchens uh, to show us how um, with the thin line was between us and the other side and how quickly that could change and during this pandemic right now it is a stark reality that we're living in uh, where uh, everyone literally uh, unless you are holding a lot of savings that you are a few months or maybe a year from financial ruin uh, if everything pretty much stopped you know no one could have fathomed the gravity or levity of the situation but you know we are some of us are not self-included. Some of us are not where we want to be financially if this um, was something that became a reality. So here we are. So um, kind of um, always in my own head on things and um, uh, kind of have my own, my own feelings about a lot of things. Um, I grew up in a, a time where I'm a 70s baby, mid-70s baby. Some of the things that of my childhood, um, it's a, a far cry from what happens uh, with children now and how children children are raised now. I come from the era where your parents beat you down, that things like that would happen. But, you know, I also come from the era where it took a village to raise in a, a child, you know, whether it was aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, whoever, friends, parents or friends. You, you kind of had a community of people that, that cared about you and wanted you to to be your best and do your best because that's how it was. Not saying that these kids now don't have the support of that, but, um, you know, we often see kids um, getting medicated and things like that. One of the things I brag about as a kid is that until Columbine, which I was out of college, I think, at that time, I was out of school, at that time when Columbine happened, I believe, that I never heard of a school shooting. Now, we, you know, living in inner city, you hear about fights and people getting killed in clubs and things of that nature, but never things like that happening. And why, why I mention that is that in this pandemic, we have had our first probably two months that I can remember in forever that we have not had a school shooting. Crazy. That it took it took that to happen for that to stop, all right. So 
closing up this one, um, uh, I, I kind of wanted to give you guys a sense of who I am and, and what this podcast is going to be about. And I chose the word manual um, uh, from um, from my old blog about 20 years ago. I had a blog, a water cooler blog called The Manual, which primarily just kind of dealt with um, uh, men's needs and men's wants and things of that nature, hence the manual. But it has evolved into something different now um, for this go around in this in this audio verse. And the thing, the reason I call it the manual, I, I chose to resurrect my my old podcast, my old I'm sorry, my old blog, was to use the word manual as a, a as a blueprint, as a schematic, uh, becoming your own cartographer. You have your own map in life, and everyone has to have something that binds you together as a person that brings you brings all of you together you are the sum total of all your parts you are made up of everything in Taoism you are I am a part of you um, I am a part of everything I am a part of this planet those trees the sun everything that exists is a part because uh, you know at our at our most base level we are particles your energy and things of that nature. Um, so I, I enjoy leaving um, you guys with uh, a few a few things that you can take into life um, every day. Every time I post in the manual, um, I would love for some um, people to leave messages if you can, and, and I'll try to address those um, questions or comments uh, in a in a um, in an upcoming um, post. But I am definitely going to have some interaction where I'm going to have people chime in talk about different things so that you're not just getting my perspective on things I want to engage with a lot of other people and kind of just you know let you get into your own mind and and take me on a tour of who you are all right so thank you again for listening um hopefully um I was able to um, give some insight on on uh, who I am and why am I doing this and, and and what it is um in this pandemic, um, in this time, everyone has um, kind of learned to adapt and evolve. And one of the things that um, that I think about is when this is all over and said and done, if you haven't come out of this with a new perspective, a new business hustle, a new uh, um, a renewal of who you are and how you want to invest in yourself and how you want to become better, then you did nothing but watch Netflix and play video games. And again, I'm not here to judge anybody. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But make use of the time that you have. A lot of us, uh, prior to the slowdown, uh, was in the grind. You know, we worked for hours on end. Uh, so we definitely had a chance to to recalibrate, refocus, and kind of rethink things. So again, thank you for your your um, attention tonight. And I look forward to leaving some more.